I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pleasure for me and a blessing to stand before you, wonderful people of God. I'm grateful for the opportunity, Dr. Garland, that you've uh, awarded to me to come over all the way from Zambia, Africa, southern part of Africa, to America to share my testimony with you people. I'm going to share about my prison experience. Uh, at, uh, in 2006, I was imprisoned in a foreign nation from Zambia, which is Tanzania, the way we pronounce it. Um, and I spent two years in prison. And of course, you want to find out and know why. How did it happen? How was a prison experience? And how did I get out of prison? That is basically what I'm sharing with you this morning. My name is Mulenga Chela. I'm a Zambian. And um, in, when I was doing my last year of secondary education, I received the call of God into ministry. And I purposed to serve God in ministry as a full-time minister of the word of God. And after doing that, I got involved in church in a number of church activities, which included reaching out to street children, children who were living on the street. I got involved in um, um, a ministry called hospital ministry, where we went, used to go to the hospitals and pray for people in the hospital, lead them to Christ. I got involved in uh, uh, praise ministry at church, intercession ministry at church, and a number of other ministries. The church leadership in our church then saw the call of God upon my life. Then they gave me a church to run. But I saw my need of going into seminary. And uh, during that time, uh, my father could not afford taking me to uh, college. So after um, um, a number of trials of uh, desiring to go to college, my father one day came back home with a newspaper. In it was an advert about North Rise University. North Rise University is a university that Dr. Garland talked about that has partnered with uh, Truett. And um, it is a school that was started by a man called um, Moffat Zimba. I think he's been here at once. Um, that's a school that I went to. And I'm grateful to the Lord because that school is sponsored by Americans. It is helped and established by the help of Americans. It is, um, compared to the universities in Zambia, it is of high grade. It is a quality Christian university where we as a students in that university are taught Christian values and we are grateful to God for you people and the way that you've helped us establish that university and a number of other works you continue uh, helping us back in Africa and in Zambia. Americans, you are a blessing to us and we thank God for you. Um, in that class that we had, we were learning an interesting subject called ministry preparation. And in that subject, we had Dr. Moffat Zimba teaching us on Joseph and how people prepare, how God prepares people for ministry using various means. He told us this, that God prepares people for ministry in various ways. It is not always in orthodox ways of a people sitting in a classroom and learning in that environment. He went on and said, God prepares people for ministry even through hardships, difficulties, even prison. Then he gave an example of Joseph and how Joseph was, went into prison and thereafter God promoted him to become the vice president of Egypt. 
And he gave an example to say, in this class that we are in, God can even pick this one, Mulenga, pointing at me, and take him into prison in order to prepare him for ministry. And I went like, what? <laughs> so, I went home, and I started praying to God. I said, Lord, I don't want this to ever happen to me. <laughs> Thereafter, a few weeks later, I was praying with this friend of mine. And as we were praying, loving God, seeking more of God, uh, this guy stands up and says these words. He said, Mulenga, meaning me, I hear that the Lord is saying that he's, going, he's, he's impressed with the work that you're doing and is going to send you into a foreign land. And in that foreign land, you are going to be imprisoned and you'll suffer very much and thereafter God will bless you. And in my heart I was saying that mm -mm, this is not God. God cannot speak such kind of words. Again, I went home. I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't want this to ever happen to me. Well, a few days after that, I was watching TV, and there was this American white woman sharing the gospel, and she was preaching on surrendering to God's will, and she got a passage from the, Bible, from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 38, where Mary surrendered to God's will and said, be it unto me according to your will. In that passage of scripture, the Bible talks about the angel appearing to Mary and telling her that she shall conceive, and Mary surrendered her life. She said, be it unto me. I surrender to you. So she said, surrender your life to God's will. Even if God wants to use you as a missionary, surrender. Even if God wants to use you and take you into prison so that you may preach the word of God there, surrender. Now when she mentioned the word prison, it pricked my heart because now there were three different people who were same, speaking the same prison thing about me surrendering to it. And it broke my heart. I remember I went into my room, knelt down, and I cried to the Lord. And I said, Lord, be it unto me according to your will. Well, 10 months later, I meet this man who said he was a missionary serving the Lord in Tanzania. And uh, he, the man said he liked me and wanted to work with me. So he invited me over to Tanzania. When we arrived in Tanzania, the police officers pounced on us. The first time in my life, I had a gun being pointed to my head. And I went like, what, what's happening here? The police officer then told me that the man that I was with was an international criminal. And the vehicle that we were traveling in was a stolen vehicle. And the fact that I, a foreigner in that nation, was with that uh, man in that stolen car, they concluded that we all were criminals. And I ended up being in prison, waiting for judgment for two years. Prison experience in Africa, it's a different thing. Comparing them to American prisons, your prisons are like five-star hotels. <laughs> when I was captured, I was first placed in lockup, police lockup. Police lockup is a tiny room, maybe about half of the stage here, where um, we would have um, 40 men placed inside. It was a tiny room, smelly, stinking, and there were bed bugs all over. And that's where I was placed for 14 days. And I remember when I was there, I, when I was about to be taken inside that room, I had $5. So I gave it to the police officer. Now, the guys who were placed inside were actually ruffians. People who were like criminals on the streets. So they saw me give that money to the police officer. They started shouting, give us that money. I gave it to the police officer, and he pushed me inside and locked the gate. The guys were angry at me. About five big guys of them 
pounced on me and beat me up. And after they beat me up, they saw that I had no money. Then finally, they threw me into the toilet. Right in the corner was a toilet without running water. And all the debt was there, all the human waste. And I had to stand in it the whole night. And I remember that night I prayed and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, why? Why have you allowed me to come in this situation and suffer like this? Well, one of those guys heard me pray the whole night. And they were about to face their charges in the morning. So he came over to me and told me these words. He said, Mulenga. Oh, no, 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 he didn't know my name, sorry. So he came over to me and said, please pray for us. Because we noticed that you prayed the whole night. So... The guy came over, and uh, I was thinking in my heart, these are the people who prayed, who beat me up, who threw me in human waste. What kind of prayer, surely, can I pray for them? <laughs> it was a tempting situation. But by the grace of God, God uh, by, by, compelled me by his love to pray for them. I led them to the Lord and prayed for them. And guess what happened? When they went to face their charges, they were set free. And I remained in prison for two years. Prison experience, the very prison itself, is something worse again. There, it's a crowded place. Um, halls that were meant to accommodate people now accommodate about 50 to 70 people. So when you are sleeping on one mattress, you sleep three people. One mattress meant for one person, three people sleep on it. That's how bad it is. The bed, of course, the food is bad. Every day you had what is big. The, the only relish we had was beans which was um, in a glass about this height, and half of it was um, boiled water. The beans itself was partially boiled without any ingredients in it, and that's what we ate daily. It was tough. And um, I remember, as I was there in prison, I started thinking to myself, Lord, why? I've been serving you faithfully. I've been preaching your word faithfully. I've been faithful to you. Why have you allowed me to be in this situation? During that time, I was introduced to a certain man in prison who was saving life in prison. He looked very thin, and his name was called Marshall. He was a pastor in that prison. Not uh, a pastor for the prison, but an, a prisoner who was serving God right in prison. This man, when I had the opportunity of sitting down with him the following day, he told me that he was captured and put in prison in 1973 during the reign of the first president of Tanzania, Julius Nyerere. The man has been in prison for 40 years now. I asked him, what did you do? He told me that his brothers had committed murder. And when he went to visit them in the police station, according to the insufficient evidence that the police officers had, they concluded that he had committed the murder together with his brothers. And they ended up uh, sentencing him to be hanged to death. Now, the place where people who are hung to death is a prison within a prison. So in that place, eh, this man um, saw how the prisoners there suffer. It's this bad. Whenever they are, they are the, in a certain, uh, locked up room, what the prison officers would come and knock on the door. And when they call out your name, you walk out, they pull your hands and tie them around your, your uh, back. Uh, uh, they tie your hands, and then they take you to a platform that opens downwards like that. They put heavy stones on your legs and a tight rope around your neck. And when the prison officer gives a command, the person is hung to death. Now, where that person is being hung to death is not far off. So much so that the other prisoners who are remaining can hear the death cries of their friend. And after the friend dies, the prisoners are called and told to get the body of their friend, put it somewhere, take his clothes, wash them, and wear them. 
and that psychological torture. These guys are tortured every day, not knowing when they'll die because they, like, they live like chickens. And uh, in that state, this man remembered the word of God, the same man I'm talking about, uh, Pastor Marshall, remembered the word of God that he was uh, uh, preached to when he was outside prison because he was not a believer. And he decided to give his life to Christ right there. And he prayed a prayer to God, making a vow, saying, Lord, if you spare me from being hung to death, even if I'm not taken out of prison, but if you spare me, I'll preach your word in prison the rest of my life. And by the grace of God, this man was released. He was released to mingle with other prisoners, and he started preaching the word of God. Up to this day, God has used him to lead over 40,000 people to Christ. Some of the people he's prayed for and led to Christ are people who are now uh, uh, great men of God serving the Lord outside prison. Uh, Pastor Marshall, sometimes when I see him sit in prison watching TV, because sometimes they are allowed to watch TVs, you would see people walking a husband and wife hand in hand having children, and the man would sob and cry because he's never had the privilege of marrying, of having a child. Friends, whatever God has given to us, be it a husband, a wife, children, guard them jealously. It's a precious gift that you have that others don't have. Well, when I saw this man, I heard his testimony. Guess what happened? I stopped complaining because I concluded I've only been in prison for two years and he's been in prison for 40 years serving Jesus faithfully. And that encouraged me. I stopped focusing on my self-pity, and um, uh, I started focusing on Jesus and preaching his word. So this is what I did in, in prison. Every morning, I would, uh, we, when we were taken out of the police lo uh, prison lockup, we would uh, preach the word of God. After lunch at noon, we would continue preaching the word of God in prison. In the evening, I was uh, privileged to spend my time, uh, not in a good place or good environment, but in a room, uh, with 70 men, and I was given the rare privilege of speaking the word of God to them. And I'm grateful to the Lord that during my time in prison, I saw people become saved. I saw number of lives changed. I saw people healed. I saw the power of God work in the lives of people right there in prison. How did I get out of prison? You see, the person that had called me was with me in prison. We were arrested together. And this man was crafty. By the time he had spent three months in prison, he had deceived and conned even the very feared criminals inside prison. So this guy decided to commit suicide, and he took some medicine, which made him unconscious for 14 days. The prison officer, out of a heart of genuine concern for me, called me and said these words to me. He said, Mulenga, we know that you are a man of God. We know that you are a pastor. And this man has deceived you and implicated you in all his criminal activities. Now that he's sick, leave him alone and let him die. Because if you help him, it would look to us that he is your ally in all of his criminal activities. So let him die. When I talked with all the other prisoners in prison, they told me the same thing because they saw how wicked he was. But I'm grateful to the Lord. When I went into prison, I had the privilege of working there with the Bible. And I read that Bible every day. And I'm grateful to the Lord because through his word, I received counsel. I received strength. I felt the presence of God. I felt God speak to me and encourage me. And without the Bible, I would not have made it in prison. As I was reading the Bible, I came across Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where the Bible tells us, uh, uh, pray for those that persecute you and love your enemies. And that was striking to me. 
love my enemy. And I had to make a very serious decision whether to obey the word of God and love my enemy or to let him die and possibly be um, freed because they would see that he's not my friend. It was a tough decision to make, but by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone, God compelled me to love my enemy. And I remember as I was there in prison, I took him from where he was unconscious and he was sick and he was messed up because a person who's unconscious cannot go to the toilet, of course. So I had to do all the cleaning. And I remember even the prisoners within prison felt pity for me. I grew thin. And during that time, I started thinking to myself, what is life? What is the meaning of life? When you are in a prison, falsely accused, when you are suffering, living with bad food, a bad environment, what's the meaning of life when you do not have all the pleasures and the luxuries of life? What's life? It is then that the Lord started revealing to me that life is an opportunity that God gives to each one of us, an opportunity to love, an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to honor God and mankind. Even though I was in prison, even though I was suffering, God had given me an opportunity, an opportunity to love my enemy, an opportunity to save my enemy, and an opportunity to honor God by doing that. So this is what I did when I was uh, helping my enemy. When I was picking up his debt, washing him, feeding him, cleaning him up, I was saying from the depth of my heart to God, saying, Lord, I love you. This is my expression of love to you. I'm thinking about you. I am doing this for you. And as I said those words to the Lord from the depth of my heart, I felt an overwhelming presence of God rest upon my life. I felt strength that enabled me to go through my prison time. How did I get out of prison? Well, after this man woke up, he became conscious again, he, whenever he would see me in prison, he would shed tears. He was a cruel man without mercy. But whenever he would see me, he would shed tears and cry. When time for defense and judgment came in court, the man stood up in court and said these words. He said, this man is an innocent man. He does not know anything. He's a pastor. I just took him into the vehicle as an ordinary passenger. And the doors of prison were open for me. Guess what would have happened if I had disobeyed the word of God and not helped my enemy and allowed him to die? I would have lost my ticket outside prison. Today, that man has been convicted 10 years. He's going to come out in 2018, and today, here I am. Why? Because I obeyed the word of God. Friends, was it worth it? Well, when I remember the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 2 to 5, the Bible talks about a time when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness for 40 years. And the Bible tells us that God led them there in order for him to humble them, in order for him to test them and see what was in their hearts, whether they would obey his word or not, in order to teach them that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, in order to uh, discipline them, just as a father disciplines those that he loves. Well, God took me into that prison experience in order to humble me, in order to test me and see whether I would obey his word or not, in order to teach me that man does not live on the luxuries of life, the pleasures of life, but on the word of God and on his word alone, that in order for God to discipline me, just as a father disciplines his child. 
When I remember the book of Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, the Bible talks about Joseph saying these words to his brothers. He said, you intended this for evil. When you sold me, when you beat me up and sold me, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. Well, was it worth it? If I look back today and ask myself, if I had power to change my events, would I have changed them? No. Because it was worth it. What the devil intended for evil, God has used it for good. I am here in America, in Baylor, sharing to you wonderful people and privilege and an opportunity that I would never have had if I had not allowed the will of God to happen in my life. What has happened to me is a special privilege because during my time in prison, I saw the hand of God. I've seen the power of God. I've seen God work in my life. I've had an experience that many in their lives would never have of witnessing and seeing God work in their lives, but I've seen it. I'm grateful to the Lord because of that experience. What the enemy intended for bad, God has used it for good. My friends, I encourage you to surrender your lives to God's will. Whatever God desires for your life, surrender to him wholly. Surrender to him in prayer. Surrender to him in his word. And as you do that, always know that God is able and he will work out whatever challenge, suffering, and pain you've gone through for your very good. God bless you. Sir.